0: Check out our daily articles on our website, lawenforcementtoday.com. And while you're there, download our free app. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Search for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. He's a United States Marine Corps combat veteran. He did multiple tours in both Iraq and Afghanistan. When his service ended and he returned home, he developed a new mission that's helping first responders law enforcement, and veterans who are struggling with post-traumatic stress disorder. He does that in part by placing highly trained PTSD service dogs. He's coming up to tell us all about it on the Law Enforcement Today show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is brought to you in part by the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center, Call 888-991-9725 online at helpforourheroes.com. The Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for substance abuse, addiction, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Plus, they offer complete treatment for mental health issues for those without substance abuse problems. Finally, our heroes have access to a world-class program for PTSD, anxiety, depression, and more. In addition to multiple rehabilitation and holistic treatments for all those that suffer from substance abuse problems, the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center is a nationally acclaimed Veterans and First Responders Treatment Program where law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the separate and highly specialized treatment they need. Their program features first responders and veterans helping first responders and veterans. Got questions? They have the answers. At the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center, call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at helpforourheroes.com. Callings from Oklahoma. Kevin Doncaster on the phone. Kevin is a United States Marine Corps veteran, and he is involved, heavily involved, with a group called Warhawk PTSD dogs. We're going to talk about that in great length. Kevin, thanks so much for joining us on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Very much appreciated.
1: Yeah, I appreciate being able to come on with you.
0: You're doing training and placing of service dogs for PTSD for Military veterans and first responders, correct? Yes, sir. Tell us before we get into details of what you do. Where can people get more information about that?
1: Well, we're our biggest platform is going to be on Facebook, so they can look us up. It's Warhawk PTSD Service Dogs. That we have a group and a Facebook page there. Um, they can message us directly and, and see a lot of information and videos, training and stuff that we do with our dogs. And basically. What we do is a very specific bloodline. They're Australian Shepherds. Uh, We found that these dogs just are exceptional. They're very intelligent, docile, and just work well with what we're trying to address. A lot of uh, folks ask us why we don't uh, take on, say, rescues or something of that nature. And the reason why is that we can actually pump up dogs a lot quicker and put them out to the recipient uh, without having to address maybe the dog that got rescued whatever issues it has or if it was beaten and things like that so starting fresh with a pup and then introducing that the the litter to the potential recipient we can really get a good pairing process and that just expedites the need for helping people with ptsd and
0: we're going to get into some of what they do for the dog what the dogs do for the people with ptsd I'm not a dog expert. I'm a big dog person. I ha- I have Rottweilers and I do know this. Australian Shepherd is one of the very few truly American breeds. They totally originated in the United States, so regardless of what the name says, they are an American
1: breed. Absolutely correct. And that's a you know that's a misnomer just based on the name itself, right? And they get the they get the shortcut name of Aussies. So people just just naturally want to associate that to, you know, Australia. And they also come
0: with a lot of the traits that I'm very, very fond of when you're talking about dogs from the herding or the working groups, which, by the way, are AKC groups designated for the different tasks that dogs do. And those dogs tend to have rather unique sets of qualities that bode very well for therapy and service
1: work. Absolutely correct. We actually take that herding instinct that they have and we flip it to our advantage. One of the biggest things that... Anybody struggling with PTSD has is social anxiety. Perfect example would be me walking into my my local grocery store. There's crowds of people. They're busy. They're probably being somewhat obnoxious or they're just in a hurry. So they're not necessarily cognizant of their surroundings. My dog, Lacey, who is an Australian Shepherd, immediately is in work mode when she knows we're going out somewhere and she's got her vest on. So what she's looking to do is she's looking to essentially block, use that circling technique that they have to create a zone of protection for me. And I just think that it really translates well to helping people get back into the real world that are struggling and they just want to stay home and, and do nothing. You know,
0: and that's one of the most important things. This. Again, I'm not an expert in the field of post-traumatic stress, but the need for people to isolate and withdraw is very, very strong. And that tends to prevent their ability to recover and make progress because if you don't go anywhere you don't have to adjust to life and that, by the way that's no life at all whether it be a combat veteran or a first responder to be locked up in a house 24-7.
1: Completely agree um, and you know it just gives you that additional sense of someone's got your six and that's what these that's what these dogs are doing for us. Um, we take it to the next step and we teach them about triggers so they're, they're highly aware of of your emotional state. And what they're trained to do is to disrupt that behavior. So if I'm sitting here right now talking to you and my dog is paying attention to me, she knows that I'm already kind of getting excitable because I'm talking about things or I'm thinking about things that I've been through with a combined, I've, I've got seven years in the Middle East. So she understands when my RPMs are going up. Right. So what she'll do is she's going to start by coming up under my hand and she's going to start putting her snout all over my hand. If that doesn't work, she's going to gradually increase and escalate until she pulls me out of that situation. And I think that's just the next piece that um, makes us a very successful program. We've even had a dog wake up uh, a recipient from a night terror and then just comfort him until he's ready to go back to sleep. And that's just, that's just powerful stuff. And That's what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah.
0: You know, we're probably, we can disagree, or we can agree on this. That everybody I know that works a career in law enforcement, or as in combat, as a combat veteran, uh, or a far, first responder, firefighter, whatever, I, I believe they all walk around with some degree of post traumatic stress. Uh, and, and for most people, it's very manageable. It's it's not a huge deal. Then there are a few where it's the opposite end of the bell curve, and it's tra- traumatically debilitating. Then you have people that fluctuate in between. Uh, Do you think I'm off base with that?
1: Not at all. I mean, first responders are just an exceptional – they're exceptional people, period. Every single day they know that they have the potential uh, to walk into a bad situation or respond to the aftermath of a bad situation. And veterans, they know that if they can make it through that tour, uh, there's going to be an end in sight, right? But first responders are just so near and dear to my heart because – every single day and they know that they're walking into a potential hazardous situation every single day and there's no
0: escaping it and a lot for a lot of them it's 10 20 15 25 30 years or more and it's unrelenting and it never really ends and i'll tell you who i really did not give enough appreciation to until the last couple years are our correctional officers because it's full-on for them every minute of every day and there's no escaping it the threat is always there
1: you know i don't think i had a chance to share this with you but i'm i'm grateful that you brought that up my wife is prior marine corps as well and she spent three and a half years at an all-men's correctional facility and so i and absolutely attest to the stressors uh, that she has been, you know, subjected to. And you're absolutely right. Uh, correction officers are, they're, they're in the thick of it every single day. They're outnumbered. They could be mauled at any given moment. I mean, those are the things that go through my mind and went through my mind every day my wife would go to work. And God bless her because, uh, you know, I can't be the man that I am today without having a woman like her backing me every step of the way so Absolutely. yeah shout out to my wife kim and shout out to all those corrections officers they're phenomenal people they, they're, they're they doing have the job that we need so we can go about our lives you know
0: it, it's uh and it, it takes a special breed of person to do that you, you know i'm a retired police and uh well i did see and went through a lot a lot of stress and a lot of exposure repeated exposure to violence and trauma um, some of my own shootings, some of the things that, that I don't go into the details about, but it wasn't every minute of every day. For our corrections officers, it truly is every minute of every day. It, just the noise level alone be enough to set me over the edge. We're talking with Kevin Doncaster from Warhawk PTSD Dogs. We're going to talk more about pts service dogs, what they do, how you can get more information, and by the way, they got a big fundraiser coming up. We'll talk about that in just a few moments. This is the Law Enforcement Today show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. <music> Finally, our heroes have access to a world-class program for PTSD, anxiety, depression, and more. The Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for substance abuse, addiction, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Plus, they offer complete treatment for mental health issues for those without substance abuse problems. This portion of the Law Enforcement today's show is brought to you in part by Operational Police Protective Services, the top firm in Maryland for security, armed police, canine services, and armed helicopter escort. They also offer complete, thorough, and in-depth protection and security surveys. OPPS personnel are highly trained local, state, and federal off-duty police officers. Based out of Baltimore, Maryland, they can accommodate assignments throughout the East Coast. For more information, call 443-790-2511 or visit OPPSProtection.com. That's OPPSProtection.com. If you've missed past episodes of the Law Enforcement Today show, Never fear, you can listen to them online. Just go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com or download our free app, also available on our website. That's lawenforcementtoday.com. Return to our conversation with Kevin Doncaster, calling us from Oklahoma, from Warhawk PTSD Service Dogs. Uh, Kevin, I understand you got a big fundraising coming up, event coming up with one of our favorite people, George Wooden, retired Maryland State Police. I believe he retired to rank a sergeant and his company's BW Unlimited. Tell us a little bit about your big fundraising event, When it is, what's going on, and how people get more information.
1: Yeah, it's exciting. You know, we're going to have a uh, four-hour all-you-can-eat, all-you-can-eat, drink, or eat and drink event in Tulsa. We're going to have it at the Renaissance. And I honestly don't think that um, (laughs) Oklahoma has ever seen anything like it. You know, George is a a phenomenal guy, and he's bringing all kinds of stuff. I mean, Baker Mayfield uh, memorabilia, garth brooks autographed uh, guitar i mean just ton of stuff going to be happening there and what a great way to raise awareness about warhawk ptsd service dogs i mean we got so much stuff coming uh live auction silent auction and just a great event that um it's pretty much going fast i don't i don't know how much availability is even left at this point
0: so what is the event itself
1: stoked November 15th, it'll be at the Renaissance Hotel and Convention Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma.
0: Should people go to your Facebook page to get more details? Absolutely. And that's Warhawk PTSD Service Dogs. Look them up on Facebook, get more details. Kevin, you did uh, how many tours in, in the Marine Corps?
1: I did three tours while I was in the Marine Corps. And then I did an additional four tours as a DOD contractor
0: and, and they see it too they're they're in the thick of it as well uh, I want to thank you for your service when you you see the tours you were in Iraq and the Middle East
1: that's correct Iraq and Afghanistan
0: so you get a double dose of uh, heavy duty conflict at times I'm sure
1: without a doubt yeah and
0: in a way that you are able uh, and I don't like putting people on the spot because I, you know what there's certain things I'm not comfortable talking about for many different reasons How would you describe being in the United States Marine Corps in a combat zone in Afghanistan and Iraq? What was the hardest part of the whole deal for you?
1: You know, honestly, the hardest part is continually worrying about the guy or gal on your left or right. I didn't really care what situation I was in. I didn't really care where we deployed to. I just had a constant feeling of esprit de corps, And that brotherhood of man, I just cannot let anybody down. And, um, that's the stuff that overwhelms me. I'm almost okay with the bombs, the bullets, and all that stuff. I just never wanted to let anybody down. You almost feel like you can never sleep. You can never let your guard down for a second, you know, and that's the stuff that you never, you never get over, you know, especially whenever a unit like 3rd Marine Battalion, 5th Infantry Division loses. 25 Marines in a six month deployment in 2010 and 200 would lose an arm or a leg or both. And that's the real reason why I stood up Warhawk is because those 200 today, I don't know that any are left alive because they've committed suicide. And that's what we're trying to stop. But the biggest thing that I struggle with out there, I mean, you're in a country where everybody hates you. Nobody wants you there. Um, and you're just trying to make a difference. So you got to put that out of your mind and care about what you can control, and that's protecting your fellow brothers and sisters on your left and right.
0: Basically, the only thing you can do is is, is focus on how you respond to any type of stimulus or attack. That's it. And if marine training is anything like law enforcement training, and I'm not I'm not going to oversimplify either one. When the blankety blank hits the fan and the bullets start flying and the real stuff gets bad i don't know about you there really wasn't time to think about things what's my response going to be we reverted to our training and you just did what you had to do and i'll be honest with you kevin i had a hard time explaining what i did
1: or why i did it without a doubt you know without a doubt and i think that at the end of the day you you trust that instinct you just want to respond and make it through it, you know?
0: How old were you when you first deployed?
1: 19. I remember that very specifically because that was the year that Saddam Hussein kicked out the UN inspectors. Everybody had a fear that uh, he was going to go into Kuwait again, and so we went on a, I guess, uh, for political reasons, uh, what was called a peacekeeping mission where we stood up on the Kuwait border With three rounds each, because they were we were determined that we weren't going to be there to fire even if fired upon. So we had three rounds apiece. I'll never forget that feeling of of helplessness. You know, we couldn't even really we couldn't even really do our job.
0: So you knew going in there that when you're issued three rounds, that you're really not there to even defend yourself.
1: That is correct,
0: and that's that's at a nineteen year old. Granted, we know these decisions are made by politicians and also uh, command staff, and it filters its way down. I'm sure by the time the sergeants started telling you, they were like, this makes no sense, but this is what we're going to do. <laughs> yep,
1: without a doubt.
0: And I'm sure that's the, the, the polite, uh, politically correct way of saying things that will work for the FCC, because you know there's certain language we can't use. I can only imagine what your uh, sergeants and gunning sergeants were, how they were responding to that.
1: Yeah, it's pretty tough to motivate Marines when they're trained warfighters ready to be anywhere in the world within 24 hours ready to fight and then say, hey, but we're going to leave this behind. Uh, That's difficult. But that was my very first experience in a foreign country, aside from deploying from uh, Okinawa, which is where we were staged at the time with the 31st Marine Expeditionary Unit. And, you know, from there it was obviously Iraq you know uh, uh, when operation iraqi freedom and enduring freedom all that stuff kicked off um i'll never forget just um just a, a lot of red tape would always occur and even if everything was perfect from a logistics standpoint just the fact that you're in this country and you got to find a way to to make it through your deployment and back home safe i mean All the other stuff was just nonsense, and I always felt like the nation was always arguing and forgetting about that there are people in harm's way. I mean, how many times has the war funding bill been disputed or held up? How many trucks or how much food or lifeline support got held up because we couldn't couldn't get it right here in the States while everybody else over there is still trying to do the best they can with what they can?
0: And they're There's still arguing about this stuff today.
1: It's, it's always, I mean, it just never seems to really stop. You know, I think that military leaders, uh, law enforcement leaders, any, anybody with real, true leadership sees the void and we stand in, the, in that gap. And that's what Warhawk's trying to do. That's what we are doing. We see this void. We hear the stories of veterans not getting the help that they need to get, whether it's through the VA or some other source. I'm not going to, I'm not going to bash on the VA. I just think they're inundated and they need more help. So in the meantime, we're going to stand in that gap and we're using an entire community to do it. How awesome is it when you get to deliver a dog and say, Hey, this may not fix everything, but it's going to restore some hope in your life. And this was brought to you by a community of people that exist from coast to coast, not me, I'm not responsible for this. I might have coordinated it. I might have helped with the breeding program. But at the end of the day, the people of this nation see the desperation and see the need to help these guys. And if somebody hadn't stood up for me and brought me Lacey, Warhawk wouldn't even exist. That's just one life, and now we've kicked this thing off and we've got supporters from coast to coast. Imagine what we're going to do in somebody else's life and what they might be able to ripple into the rest of the nation as and well. you just said the That's perfect the kind phrase. That's that excites me. It's, yeah.
0: it's a ripple effect and one person reached out to help you and that is provide the impetus for you more of the same. And we're going to talk more about what you and I can do. We're going to talk more about what Warhawk PTSD Service Dogs does. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. If you've missed past episodes of the Law Enforcement Today Show, Never fear. You can listen to them online. Just go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, or download our free app, also available on our website. That's lawenforcementtoday.com. Return our conversation with Kevin Doncaster, calling us from Oklahoma. Kevin is the United States Marine Corps combat veteran and also one of the key players from Warhawk PTSD service dogs and again I want to thank you for your service not just in the military but for what you're doing now Um, because that's that's the decision when he made a decision at 18 years old to enlist I'm sure you gave it a lot of thought but being where you're at the age you're at now and having a collective life experience you have to make a conscious decision that I'm going to do all this work to try to help someone else and you've got a lot more life experience to make that decision, if you understand what I'm saying.
1: Oh, absolutely, you know, and, and it doesn't come without personal sacrifice. A lot of nights I go to bed and I'm, I'm working the phones or I'm talking to somebody that's just on that ledge and I don't get to put my daughter to sleep or, or kiss her goodnight or, or even sometimes even see the wife off to bed, you know, and, and, and they get it. They really get it, you know. My daughter um, was talking to a guy by the name of John, I don't want to get into. You know, I don't have his permission to necessarily blast him out here, but we're working on a dog for him. And so my daughter picks up the phone and she asked him if he was ever in the army. He said yes, and she goes, "Well, that's good, you know." And and I'm Baby Warhawk, and that <laughs> can't even begin to tell you how much of an impact that has on me to see that there's a potential legacy here. And even if my daughter doesn't follow in my footsteps, I know that. We've we've inspired people all across the United States to figure out ways that they can help, and sometimes all they need to do is just try to change the trajectory of somebody's day, and that could be a smile or thanking somebody for their service. Every time ta- every time I see a law enforcement guy, I am literally walking up to him and saying, "Can I go get you a cup of coffee? Can I go get you a, a, a you know a drink? Anything you know anything that I can do, and if nothing else, I'm shaking their hands." Because they got to know that there's people out there that actually care about them. I'm I'm tired of this bashing of first responders. You know, we're we're quick to call them for help, and then we're even quicker to, to scrutinize or criticize them. And and I, I experienced that in the Middle East as well. So I com- I completely get that. But and yeah, there's a big a kinship between
0: our our military and our law enforcement, particularly. So many people I work with are are military veterans, and so many were combat veterans. And they were phenomenal police. And we always looked out for our military people as best we could. And and before someone gets all bent out of shape, look, I'll be honest with you right now. I gave police a break every chance I could. Firefighters, military, nurses, especially emergency room nurses, teachers, you name it. If they were in public service, I looked out for them. Uh, They had to really push it to get... Any kind of uh, legal action for me? You'd have to really be over the over the top, if you know what I mean.
1: Sure, you know I think that here's the deal we we are asking people to step into a role for not a lot of money, and that's a that's probably relative to some people. You know, a guy says he's rich, he has a hundred dollars in his pocket. Well, a guy with a thousand dollars in his pocket says, "Well, that's not rich, right?" We're asking these folks to have a life of service, dedicate themselves to their communities for not a lot of pay. I mean, it's just one of these thankless jobs. So we got to find a way to rally behind these folks and support them in any way that we can. And this particular avenue that I've taken, that's just my personal way of doing it. I wish more people would just appreciate that people are human, mistakes are going to happen, but we're asking these guys and ladies to do unimaginable things, see unimaginable things. They have no clue. They've never walked in their shoes, but we're scrutinizing them. and That's just, in my opinion, it's garbage. So
0: Sometimes it, it's I bordering think. on judging, not just scrutinizing. It's a, a very negative, judgmental thing that people who've never put themselves in harm's way uh, are criticizing veterans and or first responders. And, it, and I'll be honest with you, it makes me furious.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you.
0: I, I turn around um, and say the, the most dangerous thing they've encountered was a rusty paperclip or a a paper cut, and they're the first ones to say, you shouldn't have done it this way, you should have done it that way. And part of that comes back from my upbringing. I grew up in the Vietnam era, uh, and I was a young uh, young teenager when the war ended, and I remember how badly those cats were treated when they came home. And to be honest with you, that has never left me, ever.
1: Yeah, that is um, very unfortunate. My father is from Vietnam era, and he ended up, going to Germany as it was as, as Vietnam was ramping down, but served with tons of guys that just, I mean, it's atrocious. It's atrocious, the treatment that those vets took. They're almost the forgotten generation because there was so much hate during that time and everything was on TV. And obviously we've learned from that. We don't broadcast as much as we used to uh, during the Vietnam era, but uh, you know everything is so readily available at your fingertips these days that the judgment is passed quick and they're acting as though these veterans in in combat and these first responders have an exact science to what they should or shouldn't do when they don't even know what they're walking into half the time you know and uh, i just think that we're holding them to an unrealistic view of what we believe should be happening when we're not even the ones trained to go in and do those jobs, I think people need to step back and realize maybe they maybe they need to sign up and volunteer, go on a, a couple ride-alongs, a or maybe even join be. the reserves and get a, get a real taste of what it takes to do that specific job. In fact, I I don't even honestly think that if if you have no experience that you have a whole lot of right to really to speak about it. I'd just like to see you get behind somebody, rally up, support them, and make a positive change, not just wanna hear your voice, you know what I mean?
0: Oh yeah, and what you brought up earlier, you said that we've learned lessons from the way our Vietnam veterans were treated, but I see a lot of parallels with the way, um, not so much our, our current combat veterans, they're treated with much needed respect most of the time, not by everybody. Uh, there are certainly groups that, that are far to the left or far to the right, whatever it might be, but the the general public right now seems to be doing a lot of the same things that we saw as kids going on in the Vietnam era with our police and law enforcement. They're doing the exact same thing. Uh, they're chanting, they're calling them names, they're demanding people be killed and uh, they're threatening violence and we have groups like antifa that are are doing violent things uh, It's not a whole lot of difference between what was happening in the 70s as what's happening today.
1: Well you know honestly I think that the more that we we give them a voice or or allow them their 15 minutes of fame I think I think we discredit ourselves. I think what we really need to highlight is we need to spend time just rallying behind. As a community, in our and and that's that's how we're going to combat those things. Uh, all everything you just said, you're absolutely right. From time to time, those things ignite, and it's like a wildfire just taking off on you. And for whatever reason, people feel that it's necessary to just follow the herd. We are in a position every single day to make a choice, and I think that the choice should be that better to operate your life. With grace, which is by definition undeserved favor, than it is to pass so much hate and judgment that even you yourself wouldn't even be able to withstand your own judgment if you if you really held yourself to that same standard. Human beings are not perfect. No, and they never will be.
0: And I don't. So, I'll, I'll be honest. I don't want to be around a lot of perfect people because I'm very much flawed. And I always say this. <laughs> it, it, You may have heard me say this before with other guests. I realize I'm damaged goods, but I'm okay with that. And people who matter to me are okay with that fact as well, that I'm damaged goods. Doesn't mean useless. Doesn't mean worthless. Doesn't mean non-functioning. It just means I'm not pristine and uh, pure as I was when I was a teenage kid. Uh, before all the bad stuff started happening. When we come back, we're going to talk more with Kevin Doncaster uh, about Warhawk PTSD service dogs. We're going to talk about what you as an individual or you as a group or community can do to help first responders and or military veterans who might be struggling with post-traumatic stress disorder. I hate the term disorder. Post-traumatic stress, injury, and other associated problems. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. This portion of the Law Enforcement Today radio show is brought to you in part by Pet Rescue Life Facebook page. Everyone's welcome at the Pet Rescue Life Facebook page, where you'll find fun, informative, and enjoyable posts daily. Purebred, mixed breeds, rescues, we love them all. Be sure to like the Pet Rescue Life Facebook page. This is the Law Enforcement Day Show. I'm John J. Wiley, joined on the phone by Kevin Doncaster, calling us from outside of Tulsa, Oklahoma. He's from Warhawk PTSD Service Dogs. You made a great point earlier on in the interview, Kevin. There's so many things that we can all do. Uh, maybe not the great big things. Not one person can do everything themselves. We It's all a team effort with what you do at Warhawk PTSD Service Dogs. There's many people involved. But there's simple things that we can all do. Uh, for example, what would be one of the things you would recommend? You, you said like thanking people for their service, offering them a cup of coffee, reaching out to say hello. Is there something else that stands out to you?
1: You know, those are the biggest things, right? I think that when I see somebody that gets passionate about a, an issue, uh, I want to see some action behind it. You know, because talk is cheap at the end of the day, and I think that. Those basic common courtesies or gestures towards one another are just so important this day and age. Today, we are programmed to plug into our phones and disassociate with people. But when you go out of your way to thank a service member, a uniformed officer or EMS, any of those folks, if you just go out of your way to say thank you, Thank you for what you do for our community. Or you see a veteran. I mean, we're not hard to spot out. And I still wear high and tight. In fact, the, the whole reason why the company's called Warhawk is because I wore a Mohawk in Afghanistan. And I would correct people and say it was a Warhawk. we got to win this thing. We're at war, right? And now we're at war in a different way. People don't even know how to communicate to one another. You know, we don't even know how to talk to each other. We we standing next to each other. We're probably going to text each other as opposed to just have a basic conversation. When you go out of your way for somebody, and and just try to change—I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. Try to change the trajectory of their day. Everybody's dealing with something. Even if they don't have PTSD, they're stressed out about something. You know, the next election, or or what's going on in the PTA, or something. I don't know. But when you just find a way to have those common courtesies, I think we're, we'll we'll get a lot. We'll get better together, you know? Simple um, things. as far yeah, Simple things.
0: I just try to, like, wave. When I see a police or a firefighter, just a wave and a, hey, thank you. When I say wave, it's with all five fingers. Always stress that. So I, I give them a little wave. And back when I was a police, uh, back the old days, we'd tip the hat and say hello. Hi, Miss Johnson. Hey, Mr. Johnson. How you doing? Hope you have a great day. Didn't matter whether they liked me or not. That had nothing to do with it. It was about setting a tone to the conversation i wanted to have with the people on my terms and friendly down. and it doesn't take a lot of effort to be friendly it, it it takes about as much effort as to be angry and by the way the, the anger for many of our first responders are military veterans when you see a really angry person quite often that's one of the number one symptoms of post traumatic stress disorder or post traumatic stress injury and one of the things i've always tried to ask people to do is when you see this angry person and they seem to be emotionally overboard is to try to understand and and not not make it about a, a negative or a negative personality trait about that individual and say oh he's a bad guy he's just an angry guy you understand what i'm getting at
1: yeah you know we don't we don't know what people are going through Every day of the week. So you don't know what that person may be combating, whether it was a tour or whether it was 20 years uh, as a trooper or a city cop. You have no clue what that person's going through. And that's why I'm just saying that little smile or that little handshake, anything like that could just make a huge difference.
0: And I think that's so one of the agree. great things about dogs. Because when they, my dogs in particular, I have Rottweilers. And I'd love to have Rottweilers in the more service work. I I remember years ago, I was working at a classic rock station in Southern Maryland. We had a big event for a a bunch of wounded veterans from Walter Reed. And they came down on a bus. And I met this Marine, as a matter of fact. I can't remember his name, but he's a great big giant of a guy. Very muscular. Very gentle in his and his demeanor, but he had a PTSD dog and as a chihuahua of all things. And, and I just remember talking to him like, I'm just glad you're here. And he was like, I'm glad to be here too. He didn't want to think about being a Walter Reed for months at a time. He just wanted to go spend an enjoy the afternoon. Him and his dog. This all took,
1: you know, it's interesting. I, I get this a lot. And when, uh, when channel two news did a story on us, when we first stood up, the conversation went in this direction and it's interesting because we we're, we're the fortunate ones we we have a choice to make every morning we get up and for some reason that connection with a dog gives purpose or this this chance to well i've got to i've got to rely on this dog and this dog's got to rely on me i've got to feed it i've got to give him some water her some water or i've got to let him out I've taken out. I got to play with them. You know that those simple things are just easy, accomplishable missions every single day. And that's the other thing that folks don't understand is that you got to have a mission that you can successfully complete. And if all it is is loving on that dog or letting that dog love on you, it's just a it's just an awesome thing. So it's just one more aspect that gives these guys a chance. And I'm just really looking forward to. Doing the next delivery. Actually, our very next delivery is one that's, that falls out, a little outside of our scope, but we're giving a kid uh, a dog that's got leukemia, and that whole family is going to really benefit from this dog. So, but anyhow, um,
0: but your primary focus about, is PTSD service dogs, but you train others.
1: Yeah, we do. We do take on um, very special cases, and eventually, when we expand, and we've got some plans and ambitions for next year. We're going to build a second kennel, and we're going to try and take on some different different dogs and and different areas. You know, one of the biggest things is that people have come to us with their own dogs that are already very in tune with them. They just need some additional training, and we're just not set up to take that on at the moment, but we're going to. Uh, We really want to be able to provide additional services for additional folks. Not everybody wants an Aussie Shep, you know. At at the end of the day, there's a joke about uh, Aussies, and that joke is that they only shed twice a year. You know, six months in the summer, six (laughs) months in the fall. So
0: I'm laughing because our Rottweilers are not long-haired dogs like yours, but they blow coat constantly. It's like (laughs) it's a dog hair is a condiment in our house. It's on everything.
1: (laughs) There's no escaping it. Try being married to a female Marine that is used to giving out white glove inspections all the time. I mean, the first thing I get is blasted as soon as I get home and walking through the front door, and there's dog hair everywhere. I mean, I'm just getting it. You know, I'm getting cannon in the face about dog hair, you know, so it's tough.
0: Well, I'm not going to take sides on that one.
1: We got into the dog thing, right? So there's just no going back at this point, you know? how long does it
0: take you to train up a dog from uh, you? You'd like to breed them and work from puppies. How long does it take?
1: Yeah. Pretty cool thing is once they mate, it's about 51, 52 days before they drop. And within the first couple of weeks, we already got them out there herding cattle. It's pretty awesome deal. We even got a video up on our Facebook page of this, this little tiny thing commanding this big old cow. You know, I'm a city slicker and, uh, Jeff and Mandy Ryan of RC Aussie is who I use exclusively. Um, great people, and just happy to be in partnership with them and friendship with them. But in any in any event, I'm terrified of big old animals, horses, cows. I'm, I just can't do that whole ranch life thing. I'm not a
0: cowboy either. I'll take a motorcycle. And, I'm not riding a horse.
1: <laughs> anyway, watching that whole thing go down is pretty cool to see up close and personal. I'd like to say that. We have them out at about a year old, and obviously we want to get through all the shots and all that good stuff, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the recipient's not going to get to spend time with them. When we have the funding, we bring them out to the ranch. We fly them out. We do whatever we can, Um, and again, that's in a perfect situation. We've had situations in the past where we had to get that dog out sooner. Um, We've even had a situation where we gave a dog out and uh, we didn't spay or neuter uh, so that we could potentially uh, continue to grow our breeding program in other areas. So we want to have satellite operations going on too.
0: All this doesn't come cheap. It costs time and it costs money. And of course, time is money. Uh, Where can people get more information about donating or how they can help?
1: Sure. Well, we're on GoFundMe. We're also, um, you know, obviously our biggest presence is going to be on Facebook. So they can reach out to us message us and then we've got all kinds of information on our page there warhawk ptsd service dogs you're right it's not cheap uh, but this is an act of service an act of love and we've had great support we've had sponsors and we've had everyday individuals just foregoing a coffee to donate to us and i think that's stellar
0: that's awesome kevin doncaster thanks so much for being a guest on the show and thanks for all you do
1: bet thanks for having me
0: Thank you so much for spending part of your day with us here at Law Enforcement today. On behalf of everyone associated with the show and the website, this is John J. Wiley. Until next time, see ya.